a dream. This is Art Town, and I'm your host, Justin Baker. And this is the rare occasion where there's two episodes of Art Town this month. Um, I don't know if anyone knows. I get well, I know, but uh, you know, it comes out once a month. And the you know big thing, uh, you know, I've always wanted uh, more stuff going on, and uh, I just scheduling wise, I can't do more really than one a month. But uh, because it's summer, I was able to uh, sneak another one, um, and I felt like that was cool uh, because. Um, you know, uh, the other episode this month is a, a like a takeover. So maybe I was I was jealous of of that. But um, here we go. Um, the guest is John Hampshire, and uh, why John? You know, I think because I I know um, he's like one of these local regional artists. I'll say regional. Uh, that I've heard the name forever, and um, you know, I, I even like he teaches up at um, Adirondack Community College, like the other kind of big regional community college. So I thought, like, well, you know, that'd be interesting to talk to, and because I'm really late to the game, I think I just fo- started following him on Instagram. Instagram is like somehow still new to me. Um, you know, I finally got to see his work. You know, maybe it's been a year or something. And the the thing to me, um, when I see his work, I, I don't really understand how it's made. I can't figure it out. I mean, I kind of can, but I can't. Um, and that's that's perplexing to me. And that that's um, that's interesting. I think for me. Um, and also there's like this beautiful kind of free like line quality. And we start off talking about, you know, line quality. Um, to me, like a line, um, a drawn line or a painted line in a certain way is just, uh, there's nothing better um, than that. And uh, to, I guess for as an artist, um, like growing up, wanting to be an artist, uh, like, uh, the line was like a, a gateway drug. Um, so I've always enjoyed, um, looking at line and, and thinking about it, um, thinking about the hand that made it. So John kind of checks all those boxes and that kind of, that, that first, those two things, not understanding how those portraits are made or sometimes the landscape and, uh, his, his, uh, his line quality. So, you know, even after kind of berating him with questions for an hour, um, I still don't really quite get it, but (laughs) that's fun. You know, that's the fun thing. So anyways, also, you know, the odd thing about um, uh, John and and he'll be a, like a podcast first is I don't think I've had any artist uh, confess or admit to me that they really liked math. Um, and, uh, that was, that was interesting. Uh, I thought that's like a, and it made sense, you know, kind of, it makes it, it all kind of comes together, but, uh, that struck me and I, I just, that liking math, I don't understand at all. Um, I really don't. 
And it's, uh, it's funny to me. Uh, I admire people who do. Um, you know, my daughter, my oldest daughter is a, like a math major in college. Um, she's got a minor too, and biology is the other one. Uh, I don't know if it's a double major or a major minor. I'm not sure. But anyways, you know, she blows my mind. Um, and it's it just, it never clicked. Um, you know, I was satisfied. I was okay at two and two equals four. That's good. I'm out. I don't need any more than that. But, you know, really struggled. Um, just made me angry. And uh, I don't know why, you know. I don't, I don't know what that was about. My father was a mechanical engineer too. He'd be so happy doing math, like six, 10, 20 pages, solving some problem for something he was making. And he'd show me like, oh, look at, you know, 20 pages, I figured this out. Like, oh, that's good. That's interesting. Not for me though. Um, couldn't do it. Anyways, John's a first. He admitted that. Uh, he came clean. They like math. And uh, I admire that. So anyways, we had a fun time. Um, super a cool uh, studio. Uh, very interesting fella. And uh, an amazing artist. So here that is. Uh, check it out. I've heard your name forever, and I remember Adam talking about you, and um, and I started following you on Instagram a little, I don't know, how long ago, um, and then I was like kind of reading, you went to Skidmore, you did your MFA at SUNY Albany, um, which was interesting, I'm kind of curious when that happened, um, but then like your work is, um, it's wildly like beautiful it's like nice. really like like the line work um like i'm a huge um uh what do you call it like um i love line you know in art and i i love um artists who use line in interesting ways uh somewhat you know even like uh like say like Cy twombly um or even like the awkwardness of a line that like like Richard Tuttle can do, uh, or the beauty of it, like that, like de Kooning or Rauschenberg can like snap. So your work kind of like, I think falls more in those ways. Um, but just the fullness of them really interested me. And I was wondering about that. Uh, yeah. Well, as you were talking, a lot of things are percolating in my yeah. brain. Um, let me go back to, you mentioned, um, a little bit about my background. So when I was at Skidmore, I, uh, I was class of 94 and then I went to oh, okay. Albany class of 97 and I stayed local. I was engaged at the time. I never wound up going forward with the marriage, but um, that was one of the reasons I stayed local coming out of high school. So I went to, to Skidmore and when I was at Skidmore, Where'd you I, go to high school? Stillwater high school. Oh, okay. So I'm originally from the area. I mean, I was born in Chicago and then my parents uh, moved back, uh, I think, to Glens Falls for a while, then to Latham, and then to Stillwater. So I essentially grew up in Stillwater. Um, and so when I was at Skidmore, I was a math minor. The department, oh, uh, or some of the people in the department, actually tried to talk me into doing a double major, which mm. I seriously considered. Um, and 
a lot of people, myself included, associate some of the qualities in my work or the way I think about my work with that. Mm. Or, you know, those two things. Uh, and I was interested in theoretical mathematics and, and philosophy, too. I think those two things were really interconnected for me. So, um, you know, the line work, I mean, working with vectors and grids and graphs and all. I mean, it's a language that you see prevalently in math and probably physics. And, and so there may be some influence there. But I also have been working a lot with um, over the last decade or so with markers and, um, you know, when I was teaching, like when I was teaching at Sage, I was drawing on dry erase boards with markers. And I kind of liked the fluidity of that or fluency of that. And so I was looking for ways to translate that into my work as well. So and then you mentioned Cy Twombly and the idea of gestural abstraction, which is a strong component of the way I start both my drawings and paintings with this kind of loose bravura um, not precise at all kind of uh, energized brushwork or line work or mark making. Um, and then as the piece, pieces progress in the process, they kind of self-refine. Um, mm -hmm. With, for instance, the drawings, I'm just going in between the white spaces between the lines. So as the drawing evolves, the white spaces get smaller and smaller. So my marks get smaller and slower, and then the information gets more uh, specific. Yeah. Why, like, when you start, like, I'm looking over there at mm -hmm. one, like, so just like to put some of these pieces together. Um, when you're starting these, like, because they, they have this kind of, like, snap to them, it looks like when they're done, they're kind of like, Dink, you know, it, and there's, like, all this, like, tonality, and they're, like, highly, like, descriptive, but also incredibly loose. Um, so in starting them like so gestural, large in like, is there a plan with that or do you, how do they like unfold? Well, I, you know, again, this, some of this probably goes back to my history. Um, when I was at Skidmore at that time, all of the faculty were abstract painters. Uh -huh. I was kind of an anomaly in the student body working representationally. Mm -hmm. uh, most of the students were working with gestural abstraction and, and loosely, or even if they were working representationally, it'd still be a much looser kind of quality. Mm -hmm. So I can't help that that was an influence as well um, coming out of that. Um, and I'm also interested in kind of macroscopic and microscopic things simultaneously and mm. the connection between those things and the connection between the start of a piece and a quality of resolution towards the latter part of a piece. Um, and I, you know, I, it's interesting that you say you feel like there's this, I think you said snap or something. At yeah. the end. I always am struggling with, uh, very seldom is it clear to me at, at a point when, when a piece is resolved mm. and, uh, you know, Quite often, I'll actually, you know, after having shown a piece several times, I, I, I have no qualms about going back in and working back into it um, mm. because of that. I, I don't know if I ever feel a quality of resolution. Maybe when a, a piece sells and I don't see it anymore, <laughs> yeah. there's a sense of resolution there. Uh -huh. More so, It's more so with the paintings. With the drawings, yeah, at some point, I can't. There's no more white space to get into. So uh -huh. the drawings maybe have a clear, are more like that for me that there's a clearly defined, okay, this is done. Mm -hmm. But the paintings, I'm quite often struggling with that. Uh, and, and because parts of them are quite often left 
in a in a more primitive state and then areas get developed and i'm always struggling with how how much should get developed and how much should be left with this underlying mm-hmm. abstraction and and i think maybe that's part of the uh struggle for mm. me is is the struggle is knowing when it's done so like, so, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, I kind of accept I mean, that I don't, have, I don't have to. I don't know if that's as much as a struggle. At some point, okay, I'm tired of working on this. So I put it aside. And uh, and sometimes sitting around, I come to a state where, okay, I'm going to show this. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes, part, I guess part of the process is sometimes a painting sitting around. Mm-hmm. Um, right, right. Uh, or that yeah. period of time b- between when I work on it initially and it sits, sometimes it'll sit around for even a couple of years and then I'll work back into it. And that's all part of the process, I think. Is right. that, you know, it's me kind of figuring it out even though I'm not actively thinking about it constantly. So, or me growing or changing or evolving. Uh, and then then the piece maybe can, can grow and change and get resolved or close to it or something. Uh-huh. What's the now you uh, I'm curious about that when you were you were talking before about drawing on the whiteboard um dry erase board would would you show it as a dry erase board like or were you just Well kind no of this like, was a, so I was like, uh, specifically when I was at teaching at Sage um one of the things I was teaching was architectural perspective for okay. their interior design students no one else wanted to teach it. I yeah. mean, I had no experience teaching in interior design, nor was I an exceptional expert on perspective at that point. I had to do a lot of research to, uh-huh. to teach the class. But then I would do these demonstrations on the board so that they could see the process. Okay. And I so really like enjoyed, yeah. was one of my favorite parts about, I mean, I draw all the time with my drawing and painting classes, but I really enjoyed doing that. <laughs> and in a way, it was kind of like teaching a math class, which I cannot do, absolutely cannot do. But there was a, a there's a kind of clarity and limited subjectivity in because mm-hmm. it's pretty straightforward. This is how you're doing this. This is how you're doing this, and you're demonstrating that. And when you're drawing, it's an element of that. But there's a lot of subjectivity and exploration that comes along with that. That maybe is a little bit different. So I kind of enjoy doing that and the directness of that, and again the feeling of momentum with that. I kind of mm-hmm. you know I and I still do enjoy that when I'm working on these these larger. Uh, labyrinth drawings that I've been doing, which when I first started doing them in the 90s, they were just little pen drawings, you know, 0.005 Pigma liner pen drawings. Yeah. And at some point, um, you know, I started working larger and I haven't gone back really to any mm-hmm. substantial amount of the smaller drawings in the way that I used to, to draw them. You know, they were, I do smaller ones, but they're not nearly as substantial or sustained as the ones that I used to do mm-hmm. in the mid to late 90s, early 2000s. What's the, in, in your head, like, because it, it feels like they're so, like, obviously, like, they're um, they're of the, the same maker, but the approach is so different between, like, your landscape and the portraiture. I mean, it feels like those, that's kind of just what you I don't say just what you do, but like those are the two main bodies of work. So a lot of what I do is the landscape. Well, right now, the the, the smaller portraits mm-hmm. are pretty much most of what I've been doing in painting, other than when I'm painting with my classes and doing more straightforward landscape or still life or figurative work. Um, and then the drawings have been more, you know, these kind of synthesized composite landscapes with some photographic references, some imagined things, put take, you know, taking disparate things and putting them together. I think the simplicity and directness of the drawing facilitates what I'm doing with the imagery in those. 
And the complexity of painting inhibits me from doing that in painting. And, uh-huh. and so with painting, I think I gravitate towards the portraits um, because of the recognizability of the face. As soon as I start, you know, I have three brush strokes and I can see a response to a head, the structure of a head there, even though it uh-huh. may not look like anybody. Yeah. Um, but if I were trying to do what I'm doing in the drawings with painting, I wouldn't have that. So I do, again, I do feel a little schizophrenic in those two. Uh-huh. Because the subjects in the paintings are, you know, different than the subjects in, in the drawings. The, like, the, uh, when you start the landscapes, is there a, a kind of a predetermined path you're going in? Seldom do I know what it, the image is going to look like. Uh-huh. Uh, like, the piece I started upstairs with the, that you saw earlier with the orca, orcas and the uh, seagulls flying around. Yeah. I started on the right side with a couple of orcas. I didn't know what I was doing in the middle. Uh, and then I think I started putting, I think I then put some cartoon cloud shapes in the middle. Still not really being clear about what I was doing. And then I started putting the seagulls in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I put the same number of seagulls in as Giotto's Lamentation. Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason, at some point, that came into my head, thinking about Giotto's Lamentation. So that determined the number of seagulls. And then I went and I saw Paul Morin's show, you know, Paul Morin. Up at uh, Lake George. Yeah, yeah. up at Lake George. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? This is what I was, I, I knew I needed to do some kind of geometric forms in this piece. I just didn't know what I was going to put in. And then when I saw Paul's show, I'm like, I'm going to use excerpts from one of Paul's sculptures. And that's what's found its way into those clouds or pieces mm-hmm. of these things jutting out of it. Um, and then I needed something on the left. So I put a, a I'm putting another orc in on the left side. I'm still not sure if there are going to be other elements added to the image and what's there certainly needs to be resolved. But that's how that, pro- you know, that's how that particular piece started. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of typical. I'll start with something, but I really, I won't really know what the image is going to look like. Hmm. Um, and it's, it's a little silly because I mean, I'm not working with charcoal where you can wipe something out yeah, and, I mean, and draw another thing. I'm working with ink and the only way to change something is to increase the density of lines, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's actually quite pliable. I can move an edge around real easy as long as I haven't gotten purely black, which I rel- rarely do. In mm-hmm. piece, I can always move an edge or a shape mm-hmm. or just something. Um, so that's one of the things I've kind of enjoyed about this is the duality of the medium that it's a permanent medium, but the image can still change mm. at, a, you know, at almost any point in the drawing. And that's quite, a, quite often it does. That's wild. I mean, that's like what I was going to get at is that, you know, I, I think I, was there a video of, of you putting in the, the line, like all the, somewhere there, I saw. John, there may have been in John's video. <laughs> and I've actually, when I've done lecture, I remember doing a lecture at Berkshire Community College and actually doing a labyrinth head on an overhead projector at, you mm. know, just out of my head to demonstrate it. And it was, yeah. I think, so I've done things publicly and sometimes they're filmed and, and they're because visible. It's so, per- like you said, it's so permanent. It's ink. It's like Sharpie. I mean, I would be, I don't know. I would feel so hesitant. <laughs> I don't That's like, I mean, like I work in the computer mm-hmm. primarily. That's where things get finished. Right. So it starts as like either they usually start as like a film process. There's something going on. I'm collaging. I'm scanning. I'm like, you know, but then it comes into the computer and that's where the the fine tuning is done. And for me, I mean, I can just turn off a layer and I can, you know, I could keep so I could keep something. So there's like not a lot at 
stake material wise, but for you, like, okay, so you're saying though, oh, I can move it and, aha. Uh-huh. I mean, oh, everything gets darker. Right. That's, I mean, it's a, it's an additive process. Yeah. So, you know, anytime I'm changing the image, I'm adding ink uh-huh. and covering out more white areas. Right. So, right. It's all, so yeah. So I, I just, I don't jump to any dark things. Mm-hmm. I keep it all kind of loose. And uh, in some of the portraits over the years that I've done with the labyrinths, um, parts of the face might be more resolved and other areas might just be that maze. It'll just dissolve mm-hmm. into the maze so that the strata of the process, the different stages are all visible simultaneously. Sometimes they get all work resolved and worked up and sometimes they don't. That, that word you just used, maze, is that, the, um, is that how you consider that line work that flows yeah, through? Yeah, essentially what I'm doing is dividing and then subdividing and then subdividing and subdividing. Mm-hmm. And, sub- and this started, I think, in 1995 in my little apartment in Albany. I had a mirror on the wall and my paper here and I was working with pen. And I was making self-portraits with uh, marks that were also symbols. So I'd have arrows and teardrops mm. and molecular structures. I'd even think about the number of ionic or covalent bonds in one, two or three lines. You know, I'd be that obsessive about it. And I wanted those symbols to also be legible as the image. So that's why I, didn't, I wouldn't cross any lines. That's how it all started, the not crossing any lines. Oh. And... I eventually discarded the symbols, but the not crossing any lines just creates this maze structure. It's essentially doing a maze in a puzzle book. You've got some lines that you're working in, you put another line in, then you've got more lines that you're working within. And it just, it's a self-refining system. It it divides Mm -hmm. and subdivides and subdivides. So when I start, I start with a very long line that's pretty much abstract. Uh Sometimes it might be responsive to an image, but it's more about just breaking up the picture plane and reinforcing the idea of the boundaries because the line is always contained within uh, the, the rectangle. Right. So there's that idea of the surface and the act, the dimensions of the rectangle and that sort of thing that is always an element of these drawings. Huh. That's wild. So you won't, the lines never cross. If it's they like cross, it's incidental. Okay. Like every once in a while, I accidentally cross a line <laughs> yeah. or the, they'll kind of line up because uh-huh. it's, like, it's, you know, I, I'm not, that tight about it. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, it's more the idea of staying within the lines in that way. And, mm-hmm. and that, that guiding structure is enough. It's, you know, every once in a while you might scan across the surface and see a line cross here or there. But, but going back to 1995 in your apartment, it sounds like you're having like this kind of like control issue. Like, a, like there's like this, you're trying to control the image in a way by creating these rules. Is that, am I right uh, about that? that? It's not about controlling the image as much as keeping myself interested. In yeah. And, and again, I think it's that it comes back to that interest in synthesizing my, my mathematical interests with my visual mm. art interests, which I think were certainly in those formative years an element. I mean, when I was leaving undergraduate school, the, some of the things I was doing, I was doing self-portraits in these Cartesian coordinate surfaces or linear uh-huh. graph systems, um, that was kind of an art, you know, one thing was imposed on the other. So it was less of a synthesis and more of an artificial combination of those things. But I think, you know, by the time I was, you know, by 95, 96, um, I had found a way where the process 
could integrate those things for me without, and it wasn't like an artificial, Oh, I wanted, you know, I wasn't consciously necessarily thinking about that. I was just trying to keep myself interested in making mm-hmm. images. Um, cause I'm not a traditional painter. Uh, I enjoy doing that, but well, I, how do you mean that? Like, well, know. like, like, like there's a painting of my wife over there with the dog. You can yeah. see that that was a demonstration painting that I did for my painting class, <laughs> okay. painting on a Venetian red ground. And I worked on, it. I was like, you know what? I'm going to take this home and I'm going to work on it more. And of course it's just been sitting there. I haven't touched it because yeah. I'm bored with that. Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not invested enough in that to be any good at it in a way that, you know, mm-hmm. there are people that do that much better than I do. Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of the, is I'm not interested in, I, I really like doing that up to a point. It's recreational. Uh-huh. It's, it's kind of relaxing in a way. Yeah. But um, it doesn't get me, you know, I don't know what I'm trying to do with that other than make an image. Right, right. This, you know, I'm interested in painting. I'm interested in color relationships. I'm interested in service. I'm interested in the object of the painting and how flat or spatial it is. Um, you know, I'm working with either clear medium or resin so that there's some physical space between some of them. The marks mm. and also it reestablishes that kind of glass smooth surface so there i'm much more invested in um and engaged with materials and process mm. uh and and i want that reflected in the image so you know that that's that's not you know that's marjorie is the subject but it's really not about marjorie who i don't know that well at all it's it's about painting yeah and you know with, for me the subject matter right now of the head just facilitates that in a way that maybe no other subject does. I see. Okay. Yeah, I get it. I, I, I asked that because like when I look, they look, they are like, you're a very good painter. It looks like to me, but we're talking about in terms of like, um, like maybe the, the idea of like, like, like you were saying, like, uh, traditional painting maybe being like a landscape or a traditional portrait or okay that makes more sense i mean i make landscapes and um but i don't paint like a landscape painter. right right I mean, yeah yeah what what i do in terms from that um lens is rather ridiculous and nonsensical i mean why would anyone want to do this this way uh-huh. you know it'd be much easier for instance putting composite images together to make a you know some kind of whole image it'd be much easier to work more fluently in paint or probably make more sense to do it on a computer or even make more sense to do it on the computer as a reference than make a drawing based on it. Mm. None of which are things that I do. I start with, you know, the act of making these drawings, even something on that scale is still that, that element of exploration is important for me. Mm-hmm. I, if I have something planned out, um, even in my mind to an extent planned out, uh, I, I think I lose interest uh-huh. so that the, the act of making the work is almost like an act of thinking in a yeah. way. Like there's a, there's a physicality to that uh-huh. that happens for me. Right. So having it open-ended, um, the possibility of problems arising mm-hmm. during the searching, the process of it gets you engaged. Yeah. It's, and it's solving what, as you go. See what the image is going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, I because I really don't. I mean, I might have a sense about. Well, I'm working on a horizontal thing that's this wide and this mm. tall, and you know, I want to put a Bernard Vernet sculpture in some kind of tornadic landscape. You know, I might have an idea that I work with. That's about as explicit as I get right, I think, right. when I start these. But I don't know where it's going to be. I don't know what the scale is going to be. Uh-huh. You know, I don't know which way the winds are going to blow or what kind of clouds are going to be in here or whatever. So yeah, yeah, that's interesting. 
I think, you know, it's funny. I've, I've like, I've kind of, um, um, I'm switching up my, my studio practice a little bit, uh, recently and I'm trying to, um, make some changes to how I work and I'm going in more, uh, open-ended, right. Uh, where before I would, it was all pretty much planned in my head. I just had to make it, you know, like mm-hmm. I saw it in my head, uh, you know, the image kind of just snaps in some, you know, kind of from the antenna in my head, pulls it in, <laughs> you know, and I was done, you know, and I just kind of made it then. But now I'm kind of going in less of a plan and I find I'm very excited about that. So yeah, absolutely. Maybe <laughs> I can it's empathize funny you're, ta- you're talking about this in that way. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah, that's kind of, you know, like I'm kind of like now, like, Oh, I want to get down in the studio and, and work and do this thing. Um, this very, where do you like, so you go in, so here's John Hampshire, the young John Hampshire, um, going into Skidmore, um, you have this math interest and was there an interest in art in the beginning as well? Yeah. So I was a bit of a, I don't know, punk the right word is the right word, but I was kind of an idiot coming out of Okay. I didn't even want in my mind, I didn't want to go to, I didn't care about going to college. Like uh-huh. I, I, I guess I didn't really give much thought to what I was going to wind up doing. Um, so I wound up, you know, I applied to Skidmore and got in. Um, I think that was the only college I actually applied mm. to. I, when I was a high school student, I did a summer drawing class with uh, Jason Stewart was teaching there. Jason was the interim director at the U Albany Museum at one point, most okay. recently. Um, and I really liked that. So uh, when I was like, when, when my parents were like, you should at least apply to college. I was like, okay, I'll apply to Skidmore. So I applied to Skidmore, got it. Um, I was always interested in art uh, ever since I was very young. Um, I was very introverted and, um, you know, being hunched over my desk drawing was a good way to Mm -hmm. alienate myself from people or isolate myself from people. Um, so I think that probably fed that. And as I, I, and I always had a good aptitude for math. I didn't know necessarily that I was interested in math, but I kept taking math courses. I was, Mm. I, I, you know, I enjoyed taking math courses. Um, so that, that connection, I guess, developed in a more uh, conscious way when I was in college, the first or second year, I'm going to guess. I think I, I took Calc 1 when I was in high school. Then I was in Calc 2 um, when I was a freshman. Uh, I was in Calc 2 with with Pete Donnelly from the Figs. I don't oh, know my God. Yeah, yeah. That's how I first met Pete. We were in Calc 2 together. Oh, funny. Uh, and then I took Calc 3, and I just kept going through the classes. And then I finally, I took a class called Differential Geometry, which is me and one other student. None huh. of the math majors, because most of them were business math. They're more interested in applying math. None yeah. of the math majors were interested in taking Differential Geometry. Okay. And I love that. It was like a collaboration with the, with the professor, Dick Spears. He was fantastic. So, I, you know, I, I, and I kind of miss that, actually. I tried to continue taking math classes in graduate school. Um, I signed up for a statistics class, but the instructor did not speak fluent English. Uh, so it became, it was becoming too much of a distraction. I dropped it. Uh-huh. Uh, so I could focus on, you know, painting. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I, you know, if, I guess if I had time, I maybe I would take an, a math class here uh-huh. or there again if I, if I had yeah. that luxury. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, uh, to me, it's like it's so foreign. I, I can't. I'm like not 
A lot of people find dissociations between visual art and math, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of inherent connections. I of mean, course. I mean, that's what I'm thinking they're about. They're both yeah. abstractions, you know, abstract ways of conceptualizing the world, conceptualizing space, motion, yeah, yeah. you know, whatever, ad, you know, part you want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I find a lot of um, just conceptually a lot of connections. And so when I'm actually teaching a drawing class, I talk a lot about math concepts like integration mm-hmm. uh, when we're talking about volumes and things like that. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, I'm always looking for connections. Most of the students are not interested in math, but yeah, yeah. I, it, I, for some reason, I, I, I'm always kind of trying to find different ways of explaining things. So math uh-huh. is a common language, actually, that I talk about in, in drawing. Yeah. Yeah, to me, it's, you know, you mentioned integration. I start to shut down a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I just... Uh, I do find it, though, as an adult, I think my problem was as a kid, I, I had no patience for it, you know, and it was never there was never uh, it was never presented in a way as I don't know. Um, I always struggled with it. That's yeah. what I found in gate. Like I remember in college, sometimes I would spend just as much time in my dorm room working on my math homework mm-hmm. as I would in the studio. Yeah. painting. So, I mean, I find it really the frustration of it. Uh, trying to wrap my head around it, trying to figure something out. I find a lot of creativity in that. Yeah, yeah. Or I, I remember I took one class, um, forget what the class was called, but the, it was the entire semester was proofs, creating proofs. And the creativity of that, you know, trying to think within that structure and move around in it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that was real challenging. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of enjoyed that sort of That's thing. It's interesting you mentioned that, the, the creative aspect of it. I don't think I've ever thought of it that way. Um, the math people were kind of wackier than the art people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, well, you know, it's my oldest daughter who's um, 19. Um, she goes to uh, Colgate. She's a math major. So, you know, she describes things to me and I'm, I'm just like, I don't I don't know where you got this yeah. interest. <laughs> uh, it sounds great, um, but, you know, good. Go for it. Um, she's very smart. But she is creative. And I, I never thought of that as, you know, um, I, and I know math people can be pretty out there. I remember once um, going up to uh, Montreal with some friends. We were younger and we met these mathematicians who were interested in chaos math. Like that's what they were kind of like into. And they were so out there. Um, so, yeah, I, I do. I do get that. That's funny. Hmm. Now, you, a couple times you've mentioned like uh, the space of a, of a painting or a drawing, um, and it definitely seems like you know all of these lines, all of this movement, all of this. Um, um, even uh, well, I do want to ask about the color. We'll come back to that. Um, it is creating a lot of space and volume in the image. Uh, is that a big part of making the picture for you of, of, in, you know, of putting it into this um, world or whatever you want to call it? Well, there's always my, my work has an, a representational element to it. So yeah. there's the illusory space or illusory form that is always present in the right. work. It's in there inherently. The um, I've never really let go of that. I mean, there have been points where I've made complete abstractions um, and I've enjoyed that. But, I, you know, it's it's still important to me. That's still something that engages me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the logistical, physical space mm-hmm. uh, where it's in the drawings. It's flat. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not crossing any lines, so I'm not even layering. There's no physical ink over ink. <laughs> you know, it's mm. it's as flat as it can be with these drawings. Uh, where the paintings, uh, there's always physical depth. Um, there's the physicality of the paint, which is a little more uh, substantial than, you know, fluid ink out of a marker. But then in some cases, I'm adding a, a layer of uh, resin or a layer of uh, clear acrylic polymer. And so there's physical depth between some of the layers of paint. And that's another major distinction in addition to the, the subject matter. The physical nature and even the way I'm thinking uh, mm-hmm. is very different in the paintings. Uh, and I've, I, I mean, I've, I feel like I've had to allow that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I have in the past attempted to make drawing, labyrinth drawings with color. I no longer have them. I've sold all of them. I haven't made too many of them. Mm. Um, those were mind-numbing to me. And I've also tried to paint in the way that I've made the drawings, where instead of layering, things, mm-hmm. I'm just painting. And every once in a while, I, I might come back to trying that again. But I, I, it's too it's overwhelming for me to do that. Mm. So I, I'm still kind of allowing the two the drawings to ha- be different than the paintings in some ways in terms of process um, and even, you know, some of the conceptual issues with each one. Mm-hmm. With the the color, like, what are you, I'm curious, like, kind of, because they're all kind of like, they're of this hue, you know, they're, they're very similar. Um, I don't want to say very similar, but there's, I think, references in them. Like, what are your, like, what are you thinking about in terms of when you're choosing color or you're, you know, well, like applying these, color. These two paintings that I'm working on now kind of started with green or yellow green. So when I start another painting, I'm probably going to switch to a red or yellow uh-huh. or something. It's so just a reaction to, mix, to the last I one. I keep trying to mix it up. Uh-huh. And, and, every, and then every once in a while, I'll, you know, I'll start with browns. I mean, I'll start, you know, in a more traditional way and start not with color or even black and white and work with uh-huh. like grayscale for a while and then maybe allow it to evolve into color, maybe not. Um, so I keep trying to start from, I mean, there's only so many different places to start from, right? Right, right. So, I mean, I think I've kind of, you know, I've done a lot of paintings where I started with yellow, a lot of paintings where I started with green, a lot of paintings where I started with, um, I haven't gotten bored with that yet. I don't think I'm always doing the same thing necessarily, but I do try to mix it up so that I'm not completely formulaic in, in the way that I'm working. And sometimes Uh I'll start with a larger brush and slowly evolve to a smaller brush. Sometimes I'll start with a larger brush and then jump to a smaller brush so that the layers are more overtly distinct from one another. Yeah. So I still, I still have, I feel like I haven't explored all those parameters yet. Uh-huh. Um, that painting that's below the labyrinth self-portrait there uh, is actually, I'm using a black and white image as a reference image because uh-huh. that's the image I had. I didn't have yeah, yeah. So sometimes I'm responding to color images and sometimes I'm responding to black and white images. And I think m- even with, when I'm working with color, I'm not translating the colors from the image. I'm really responding to light changing across form. So, mm. you know, lighter tones might tend to have more yellows or more saturated colors and darker tones might have more cool blues or greens or desaturated colors. Uh So I think a lot of what, I mean, I do get descriptive of color at various points, but a lot of what I'm responding to is more light, you know, changes in light. Uh Uh-huh. Which, I mean, color is also light, but. Right, right. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. It's wild. It's really, really, (laughs) I just. Well, it's nice. You know what I appreciate too is, you know, 
sometimes I'm actively thinking about this and sometimes mm-hmm. I'm not. But when I have to talk about it, then I have to think about it. Yeah, yeah. And put it into some con- mm-hmm. you know way that's understood. So yeah, yeah. it helps me kind of understand a yeah. little bit. Uh, oh, it's very interesting. I mean, when it, like, so with the portraits, we want to like talk about that for a second. Uh, like as you're tightening it up um, and you're applying like all this myriad lines of color, um, you're still observing color. I, I am. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, I'm just going to go grab random. this piece. Okay. This, this is a, all acrylic that I'm working with. So this is dry. Okay. This, this morning. So you can actually take it and hold it. Uh, and you can see, you know, by the time I'm getting into the area of the face that has a more descriptive quality, mm-hmm. I'm applying paint with a small round brush with these, I mean, I'll call them hatching marks. Yeah. Because uh, I think technically they probably are hatching marks. I don't know if I think of it quite like that. But you see it's the way I'm painting has shifted to something that is a little more traditional, like the way a Renaissance painter might apply paint in a way. Okay. Um, so I kind of start off. I'm, I'm almost going backwards in some of the evolution of painting. I mean, that's the way I think about it. I don't know if that's yeah. literally the case. But when I start, I mean, it's gestural abstraction, like a Willem de Kooning, yeah. um, and or, or a Cy Twombly in a way, because sometimes they look like that at the begin, very beginning yeah, yeah. of the painting. Um, and then as I'm moving, I'm moving backwards and evolving towards the way a Renaissance painter might describe form. Yeah. Um, I don't know how important it is that my work has that you know way of describing it. But that's when I'm trying to think about describing what I'm doing. That's the best way I can think of uh-huh. to describe it. Uh, and the way I'm using color is kind of improvisational, even in these later stages. Like, I don't necessarily know what, I, you know, I'll try a blue. Even yeah, when I'm yeah. in the, like right now, when I'm trying to describe this nose, I'm doing a lot of experimenting. I put a, put a blue in, then I put a yellow in, and I might mix another color and mm-hmm. put it in until it works yeah uh and i think so even when i'm at this stage it's still i'm still not really clear about what i'm doing i know what i'm trying to do yeah yeah you know i'm trying to make that read as the form of a nose but i don't really know exactly what colors i might be a warm Mm -hmm. hue or might be a cool hue which i do tend to alternate back and forth between warm and cool um but i'm even when i'm working that tightly Mm -hmm. it's still um I'm still exploring. Yeah, I'm yeah. still learning. I'm not just, okay, now I'm rendering the nose and I know how to do this. It's, yeah, it's yeah. not like that. Like I've jumped from gestural abstraction to then this is how you draw a nose. It's not uh-huh. like that. I think I'd get bored really quickly if that, yeah, yeah. If that were the case. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. I, I'm try- I guess, you know, as I'm thinking about this and trying to describe it, I'm trying to present myself with ways of keeping myself interested and engaged with the act of painting, consciously thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's still happening even at that smaller scale and more resolved mm-hmm. scale when I'm describing a form in, a, in a, what's seemingly a more traditional way. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned like a, a couple of times, uh, and I'm not like a, a great student of painting. I love looking at paintings, but... Yeah, me too. <laughs> um the you've mentioned like kind of old master. I mean, is that is that history of painting part of what interests you? About, oh, absolutely. About yeah, it's it's not that I'm dismissive of traditional painting. In fact, it's quite the opposite. I'm yeah, very influenced yeah. by it, um, and and influenced in different ways. Uh, I remember when I was in college, undergrad, mm-hmm. maybe my junior year, I was doing a lot of portraits, and then I became aware of Chuck Close. And I'm like, 
hey, I'm kind of, you know, I'm working with grids and using marks like yeah, this, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I don't do at all anymore. But I got so freaked out, I stopped doing portraits for like two or three years. Like when I was leaving undergrad school, I was making still life paintings. And oh, that okay. took me into graduate school. I was making still life, making these kind of trompe l'oeil still life plant paintings and playing around with, you know, layers of illusion and what what's real on the surface of the painting and what's illusionary, that sort of thing. Um, but I eventually came back to the portraits just naturally. And why, why did you stop? Because you were like, cause I was like, I'm doing the same thing. Chuck close. I mean, I'm not you, saying I was doing the yeah, same yeah. thing, but in my mind but as you a young like, uninformed undergrad student, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Chuck close has been doing this on a much yeah. larger and substantial sta- scale than I probably ever will. Right. So you, you were making something and then you saw it like had high, kind of been done. That like that feeling. That, of that's like, how I felt. Yeah, yeah that's how because you felt. I, 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 I because again, as I mentioned, I was trying to integrate my representational stuff with Cartesian coordinates, which yeah, is yeah. grids. Yeah, so yeah. I'm doing portraits and grids. Right, right. And that you know, yeah. And then I saw these Chuck Close things, which are all about that. Yeah. So I was like, okay, this isn't me. I, and so I, in my mind, I associated it with the subject. Yeah. That's why I stopped doing portraits. Oh, okay. Um, Interesting. But I think about within being in grad school for a year, year and a half, I just came back to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I was at toward the end of my grad school, I, my whole thesis show I did my last semester, it was all uh, figurative work. Yeah. Painting. People came in and sat for me and I'd paint them and I loved doing that. Hmm. Uh, so, I mean, it was kind of natural to move from the portraits to figurative stuff. And then some of the some of the spatial things that were in the still lives kind of came into the figurative work mm-hmm. and that, that sort of thing. But. It's funny you say, I mean, those moments when you're like trying to figure out who you are as an artist, I mean, those moments when you see something you're doing, it can be so soul crushing. Can't do that. (laughs) I know. And I think like, you know, now, like myself as, uh, you know, somebody who's been making things now for over 20 years, like... It doesn't bother me at all. I'm like, oh, well, let me see how they're doing it. Maybe I can steal something from them. And yeah, well, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think um, you know, portraits are tough. Like, yeah. if you approach galleries with portraits, and I, you know, I remember talking to Ivan Karp, who used to run a gallery on West Broadway. I can't quite remember the name of it now, but anyway, I went down with images of my work, and it was mostly figurative stuff and portraits. And I had one landscape, Clemente Cement Factory. Uh-huh. And he goes, I can't sell these, but you bring me more of these. Ah, <laughs> you know, I like, see. So, I mean, the poor, I've, I, I've gotten a lot of, um, I, I felt uh, dissuaded from pursuing, poor, I mean, even grad school, I think someone even said, you got to stop doing portraits. So, I mean, I felt, you know, not just from uh, my self-dissuasion as an undergrad, but even subsequently. Who is that? Um, Do you remember? Uh, well, I think, I think it was Mark Greenwald. I was going to guess. Um, but his but, work is like. Well, <laughs> I think, you know, when you look at Mark's work, Subsequent to that time period, yeah. you see a lot of floating heads in his yeah, things yeah. with dissolving marks. So, uh, but anyway, so yeah, he's, he's like, you know, I think he said another visiting artist who had seen my work said, yeah, this is great, but he's got to stop doing portraits. Okay. But it's not just, again, Ivan Carp, you know, I think in general, portraits are hard to sell, uh, typically. Yeah. Because who wants to buy a portrait of someone else? Right, right. Uh, is, I'm not saying that. I think that's the, the mindset that. Well, yeah, I understand that. it. Yeah, yeah, I understand what you're so, saying. So, but I keep doing them. I mean, part of my uh, luck is that I have a gig, a teaching gig, where I'm not making a living off my work. Mm-hmm. So I can do whatever the hell I want and not 
worry about it. You know, mm-hmm. once in a while I'll do a commission and then, you know, maybe I get a little tightened up with what I'm doing, but I, you know, I kind of do what I want. I like that freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I'm also jealous of my friends who are artists living in New York, living off of that too. Right, so right. I kind of yeah, would yeah. like to have that, but uh, I think, you know, it allows me the luxury of doing whatever I want to do for, for better or worse, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I actually am appreciative of that. So I do the portraits. Right. Because I'm and, still interested. In and that. the arena, like uh, the that space of the head and shoulders, like you're locked into that, that. It's funny. Yeah, I've done I've done ones, yeah. you know, with this with more of a full figure. I've even done figures. Right, I mean, right. I, I, I can't find it right now. They might be in the. I, I think walking in, I saw. Yeah. Um, but you you lose. You know, as soon as you start trying to describe a figure, it it or anything that doesn't have that recognizability that we're all kind of programmed with with a head. Yeah. Um, there's a shift that happens in the act of painting. You know, uh-huh. and a level of description that then starts to become necessary for me anyway uh where i kind of lose an element that i kind of want back yeah so i think that's kind of part of why i'm still attract stuck in the heads uh, you yeah. know is is it readily asserts itself as a recognizable structure with an immense amount of abstraction which also is a chuck close thing too but yeah yeah in a different for sure way. i don't I, yeah. I think i paint more like frank auerbach than i do like chuck close who uh-huh. frank auerbach's a british painter that's i think he's I don't know if he's still alive. I think he is still painting. But. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know the name. I don't, yeah. I don't know the work. So I, I love his work. Yeah. Um, and I've, I, I've certainly have been affected by his work. I, I think uh, some of my work, some of the elements of my work was were really affected by one of my professors at Skidmore, Richard Upton, mm-hmm. who painted landscapes with really distinct brush strokes. Mm. Uh, maybe a little bit like a Van Gogh, but juicier. Um, yeah. And, I, you know, I remember seeing his work and seeing images of his work. And uh, I think I was very influenced by that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, and I, you know, I was influenced by a lot of my other faculty, too, from both both schools. You know, certainly yeah. when I was at SUNY, uh, we had Mark Greenwald, David Carboni, two figurative guys, Joanne Carson, uh, Ken Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and there was a strong, I don't want to say push towards people doing figuration, but if you you felt comfortable doing it there. Right. Um, Certainly with Mark. Yeah. I mean, you know. and, oh, David's a figurative. David too. Well. Yeah. 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 It's funny. I don't know his work. I, I, I didn't, I went there yeah. uh, and I worked with. When were you there? Um, f- 2005 to okay. seven. Um, uh, I went to SUNY Purchase, finished there in like 2000, I think or something. And okay. then took a bunch of time, you know, took time off yeah. and, um, lived in New York and did all that. But, um, yeah, so I worked with David and he was great. I didn't really get a lot out of him. Um, but I actually had a lot of conversations about math with David. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And then Mark, I ended up working with my second semester or something. And I just loved him. I wasn't painting or anything. I was doing photographs and, you know, but man, what a resource. He was really interesting. Oh, yeah. Mark was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I've always been interested. And he was really in, tough. He's, well, that's one of the nice things <laughs> yeah. about him. Um, but I was always interested in uh, representational painters, realist art painters, uh-huh. photorealist painters. And so when I was an undergrad, I was going to the library, doing a lot of research. He knew all these people personally. So, yeah, I, yeah. you know, uh, I'm coming out of a place where 
you know, it's more of an abstract kind of slant. Um, at least that's the way I felt. And maybe it wasn't inherently that way. Mm-hmm. Going into a place where I can actually have a conversation with someone that knows not only about these people, but knows many of them personally, because he's part yeah. of that generation of, of yeah. artists. And, uh, you know, maybe that's just a natural thing about moving from undergrad to graduate school as you form those kinds of connections with your faculty yeah. in a way that's that's different. But I always appreciated that about Mark. And mm-hmm. he's, he was very insightful and uh, willing to share that. Yeah, yeah. Was, he was willing to share. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's interesting looking at your work. I see bits and pieces of like him in there. Sort oh, of. certainly. Mark. Absolutely. I you was know, influenced like, by Mark. And, and like the way that like, you know, the line, you know, it's so controlled, mm-hmm. you know, but looks loose. You know, I don't know. It's it's very it's fascinating to me, you know, because um, in, in my work, I try to to mimic some of these things in the computer of. Yeah, that's interesting. Fast and loose or like a very controlled but loose looking, you know, and it's um, yeah, it's it's wild. Um, huh. But I do I do think um, I look to have those polarities in my work like. Macro and micro. Yeah, yeah. Uh, loose and tight. I mean, maybe that's not an uncommon thing with artists. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I, I I, do, I like to have those elements in there. So I, I very rarely do I cover up the surface of the rectangle of the painting um, with all these little, on occasion, rare occasion it happens. But usually I have the this combination of these things. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I seem to want that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's going to remain or not. Yeah. But and even the drawings, I mean, you know, the drawings have these really loose gestural lines in them. But then as as the process goes forward, things get even though I'm not hatching or cross hatching, it gets slower and more deliberate. And the information in the image gets more refined. Mm. So the paintings and the drawings, I guess, do have that yeah. element in common. I tend to see yeah. the differences in my work more than other. I'm more, I, can, I never put my work together. Other people see connections even between the straightforward figurative paintings that I was doing in the late nineties, early two thousands and the other things I was doing at that time too. I always kind of think I'm more schizophrenic, but yeah, I, yeah. I'm trying to think. I, I'm guess I don't know. That might be the case with a lot of people where it they, yeah, they yeah. feel they're all over the place with their work, but then someone else comes and looks at it and sees a, you know, cohesive body Yeah, um, yeah. or things that are much more related to one another. Right. Right. Yeah. Huh interesting now i'm just wondering how <laughs> i'm thinking about myself uh very interesting john i i i really i love the work and i love hearing you talk about it um well thanks for the invitation yeah to do i it. think uh, i think we've said it all it's, oh uh, sounds good yeah yeah, yeah. No, I, I wasn't sure like like what the nature of length of time yeah would be for this so. yeah this feels good though yeah i like it cool um all right, man. Well, thank you very much. Hey, this was awesome. Thanks We're for shaking. coming by. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? If you like what you heard, share it. Tell a friend and be sure to subscribe to Art Town on either Apple Podcast or Spotify. Art Town is engineered and produced by Silent Studios North with exclusive theme music by Fantogram.